There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 97 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of December 1st, 2008. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along on my excellent adventures to the world of short Masonic educational papers. As always, this and all other papers are available at the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com. I encourage you to swim by and check out. So this week's episode has a bit of a uh, Canadian spin to it. Um, it was done by uh, Worshipful Brother Pearson of uh, one of the lodges of um, the Grand Lodge of Canada in Ontario. And deal specifically with uh, the Grand Lodge of Canada in Ontario um, as to why they have two types of ritual. And I know that uh, here in Alberta we practice two types, the uh, Canadian Rite and the uh, Ancient York Rite, which is uh, pretty similar to what uh, Worshipful Brother Pearson is going to be talking about. So we'll get going with that right now and have some of the lineage as to where they are, where they came from, and what some of the differences are. Most Masons in the jurisdiction of the Grand Lodge of Canada in the province of Alberta eventually realized that there are two types of ritual. All the lodges are required to work the Canadian ritual except for the Irish Twins in London in St. John's Number 20 and St. John's Number 209A, which use what they call the Irish working. The Irish work is significantly different and this is an opportune time to ask why we have two kinds of ritual, particularly since 1989 is the year when the Irish work is, will have been for the first time written down. At the express request of Most Worshipful, the Grand Master William Pellow, to be preserved in the archives of the Grand Lodge. It is also worth reflecting on that while in this jurisdiction we have a passion for conformity and uniformity, and we find that the United Grand Lodge of England refuses to endorse any specific form of working, and in fact treasures an enormous variety of workings, because each one throws some light on the origins and development of our craft. So why are there two lodges working differently from the rest? The answer to this problem lies in the curious history of Freemasonry in Ontario. Masonic colonization in what is now Ontario largely reflected the history of immigration. In brief, most of the lodges in Ontario trace their origins back to the United Grand Lodge of England and its predecessors, and some to the Grand Lodge of Scotland or various U.S. colonies prior to the Revolution. In the middle of the 1800s, however, there was a massive Irish immigration to Ontario, and for a period, the Irish were the dominant population, particularly in southwestern Ontario. Since the Grand Lodge of Ireland was experienced in such matters as the traveling military warrants, and was usually much faster to respond to the need for creation of new lodges wherever Irishmen settled. Just prior to the formation of our own Grand Lodge in 1855, there were a significant number of Irish lodges in Ontario. At that point, there were 13 Irish lodges out of a total of 65, mostly in the Toronto, Hamilton, London area. That's one-fifth of the total lodges. The curious fact about the Irish ritual is that it is not used by the Grand Lodge of Ireland, but is virtually dominant in large sections of New England, Atlantic Canada, the American Midwest, and the West. In effect, it should be a variant of what is called the American Rite. Originally called in the U.S. the York Rite of the ancient York Rite, it is considerably modified by Webb and other writers, and it seems to have much influenced by the ancient accepted Scottish Rite in the United States. 
It relates directly to the kind of masonry which was prevalent in England prior to the 1717 revel rev revival. And, of course, they were exported to the various colonies in the North America during the periods of 1717 to 1854. Thus, we have the curious situation that most American Masons would feel more at home in the Irish Lodge than the majority of those in our jurisdiction. The Irish work, therefore, forms a very valuable link to the pro-revival era in England, thanks to the tolerance of the Grand Lodge of Ireland. The Irish Lodges play a very important part in the formation of the Grand Lodge of Canada. The question of independence was first raised in the Irish Lodges in 1853, and they held a convention in Hamilton to launch that idea. In May of 1855, the Irish Lodges invited all lodges in then Western Canada to join together when, in 1855, the Independent Grand Lodge of Canada was formed. The first parent Grand Lodge to extend recognition was that of the Grand Lodge of Ireland. The Irish Lodges thus play a further role in the legitimizing of the rebellion. What is now known as the Canadian work emerged thereafter. There was, in 1855, a great variety of ritual. Because of the complex history of the colonial masonry, and the basic decision that was for a monolithic uniformity as soon as possible. So in 1859, it was decided to adopt a uniformly the English mode of work, basically derived from the period after the 1813 union of the moderns and ancients, with some modifications. Thus, we have the Canadian work, which basically reflects the post-1813 period, and the Irish work, which basically reflects the pre-1717 period. And you know what? We're fortunate to have both. So why did the English work survive? Well, in 1856, most of the Irish former Irish lodges had affiliated with the Grand Lodge and had converted to the Canadian work. When St. John's 209 from London joined, however, it received a special concession to continue its Irish workings until the pleasure of the Grand Lodge be made known. Fearful of losing its status, in May of 1859, some of the brethren used the old Irish warrant to revive the old lodge. The Grand Lodge of Canada protested, and the Grand Lodge of Ireland upheld the brethren, as is stated. Quote, the revived St. John's Lodge, number 1209, affiliated with the Grand Lodge of Canada in 1872, under the number 209A. The brethren who had negotiated with the Grand Secretary had refused the terms granted in 1856, and insisted that the words until further pleasure of the most worshipful Grand Lodge be made known to be stricken. The Grand Secretary drew a line through them and initialed the document in the margin. Thus, achieved in distinction of having two lodges, St. John's 20 and St. John's 209A, which continued to practice the Irish work, while the rest of Ontario practiced the Canadian work. More than a century ago, the whole matter of uniformity in the ritual was raised again in 1885 and was even debated in the local newspapers. In 1888, after careful investigation, Most Worshipful Brother Henry Robertson, the Grand Master, ruled that both St. John's 20 and St. John's 209A had the authority from the Grand Lodge to continue the Irish work. He aided that the Grand Lodge could at any time cancel either or both of these permits and make the two lodges conform to Canadian work. Grand Lodge then adopted his report and added that conformity should be required after a reasonable time. That condition has persisted, and like the swords of Democles, suspended by a thread over the heads of the Irish twins for more than a century now, is a tribute to good sense and tolerance. So this is why we have two rituals in our jurisdiction. They are extremely valuable, 
and they represent two living traditions which together epitomize the main threads of both ancient and modern Freemasonry. We should value both of them and preserve them. By connecting us with the reality and the mythology of the past, they are a channel or a gateway to the future. May they both long continue. So having been, I'll say, born and raised as a Canadian Rite Mason, I, whenever I go to visit the ancient York Rite uh, lodges here in Calgary and throughout Alberta, and even into the States where, as, as it was said here, it's a similar type of workings, I'm always amazed at how different they are and yet how similar they are and it takes a little while of getting used to. So I hope you do some visiting and if you have an opportunity see some different rituals and see how the same information is passed along in a different format. It's a very valuable thing to do and I know I enjoy doing it very much. So I've been your host Scott and I've enjoyed our time together. So if you have any questions or comments or thoughts on future episodes by all means email me at podcast at thedigitalfreemason.com so until next time, keep the shiny side up.